Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian, as always, and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast. It's a chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game they were a part of. Again, we don't put any limits. It could be their time as an assistant coach, a head coach, a college coach, a high school coach, a CYO coach. Uh, and it could be any game they want, just what they consider to be their greatest game. I'll tell you, today is another special episode as we reach back in the, the hands of time here and bringing in Ryan Hilburn, who is an assistant coach now at Dorman High School. It's his first year. He just finished his first year at Dorman, won a state championship. So welcome on in, Ryan Hilburn. What's it like to win a state championship at the high school level in your first year? Oh, it, it feels great. Anytime you win a championship and, and you're able to, uh, to go the distance with your team, I think it, it feels wonderful. Uh, we had a great team, special group of guys, and it was a great season. Uh, again, I can't, I can't stress enough. I've, I've been blessed to win a lot of championships with a lot of teams, and, uh, and it, they all feel great. And uh, this one, no different. Is that a 5A down there, Ryan, Dorman? That is a 5A, the highest level you can get in South Carolina. I was going to say Dorman's bigger than a lot of colleges. It was a lot bigger than some of the colleges I've worked for, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll lead us right into where we want to go, Ryan. Why don't you give us your coaching resume and how you got to where you are today at Dorman? Okay. Uh, again, you know, I uh, you know, started out as an undergraduate manager, undergraduate uh, assistant there at South Carolina with you guys. was very blessed and very fortunate to be able to get my foot in the door there with, uh, with uh, Coach Odom and that staff there. And you know, I was able to be a part of the NCAA tournament and two back-to-back -back NIT championships. So being a part of that culture, uh, I was blessed. I'd get my foot in the door and learn a lot from those guys. And then the magical ride began. And then uh, from there, once I graduated, I was able to get on with uh, Charleston Southern with uh, Coach Barkley Radio Ball. Uh, for me, that was back home in Charleston, South Carolina. I was able to work there for two years. Um, and then from there, that led to uh, me being able to get on at Armstrong Atlantic State University down in Savannah, Georgia, which was in the Peach Belt Conference, NCAA Division II, uh, with Coach Jeff Burkhammer. Uh, learned a lot from him. We had a great year that year. Um, I don't know if we'll go into the details later, but again, we 23 and 6, finished top 25 in the country. And, uh, you know, he wound up taking the job the following year to Lander University, which was back in South Carolina in Greenwood, staying in the same conference in the Peach Belt. Uh, but I was blessed that, you know, he, I did a good enough job for him that he wanted to bring me with him. Uh, you know, at the time, my girlfriend, uh, my fiance, Katie, you know, she's from Spartanburg. We were getting married and, you know, Greenwood is an hour from Spartanburg. So for us, it was a no brainer to, to take that leap and go with Jeff there. Uh, so I was there for not even a year with Jeff in, in that program, their first year, about eight, nine months. And then uh, the job came open at Anderson University, uh, right up the road there in Anderson, South Carolina. Uh, with Jason Taylor. I met him when we had played a, a game against them at Charleston Southern and kind of kept in touch with him a little bit. And he knew who I was. And then, uh, you know, again, lo and behold, you know, some things kind of fell through and I got hired there at Anderson University and I spent five awesome years there. We had a great, great run while I was there. And uh, you know, we can kind of get into some of that later on. But it, again, we had a great time there. And then uh, five years there, and then uh, Jeff had left Lander to take a new job. And the guy that they hired at Lander was Steve Roberts. And I'd met Steve. We were on staff at Lander uh, that one year that I was there. And when he took over, you know, I was one of the first guys he called. And, uh, you know, he knew kind of the, the, the run that I was having at Anderson and just wanted me to come over and be a part of that at Lander. And 
you know, I, you know, I went over there, spent four years there. And, uh, you know, that kind of, that time kind of came to an end. And then, uh, you know, we had a, we had a son, Cameron. Uh, so staying in the upstate was something that was important to us. And, uh, you know, the opportunity at Dorman High School kind of opened up and, you know, try to get into teaching certification program and, and all that. But I was blessed to kind of get here at Dorman and, and be a part of this group because it was, uh, I mean, again, it, we, we've got something very special here at Dorman High School. So that's kind of my run. It's been a long, <laughs> it's been a lot of stops here and there. I, you know, I told you guys it felt like a carpetbagger at times. <laughs> you know, you're just, well, that's the life of a coach. That's the life of a college basketball coach. And, you know, you're, uh, you know, you're traveling, you're recruiting constantly. Uh, you know, you're always trying to, you know, get on the next thing moving forward. And, uh, and that's a tough life. But again, that's what it was. That's what we chose. So. Well, I tell you, it's an incredible journey. And so yeah. we're going to move into our Q&A session now. And the sure. first question that really just screams, you, you talk about going from Armstrong, Atlantic State to Lander, meeting Jason Taylor, going to Anderson, back to Lander. And it sounds like it was just all about relationships, the work ethic that you put in. And I, I work with you uh, when you were student manager and I was a, a GA at South Carolina, as you mentioned, seeing you work your tail off. So tell Tell our listeners, I mean, this is around the world, up and coming coaches, even seasoned coaches, the value of working hard where you're planted and keeping in touch with people throughout your journey. Again, you know, the Lord has really blessed me with the relationships that I've been able to form. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the old saying, grow where you're planted, I guess, type deal. Um, You you know, to to answer this question, I'm going to go back a little bit farther before you guys even knew me when I was even in high school, just you know, I worked full time when I was in high school trying to play basketball. You know, my parents divorced when I was young. So, I mean, me, as soon as I was able to work full time, I started doing that. Uh, you know, whether that was cutting lawns, cleaning offices, or, you know, then working full time at Super Kmart because it was, you know, a block from the high school that I went to school at. So, I always had to work. I mean, I wasn't blessed with a, a father that was an NCAA All-American or a grandfather who was a, a famous coach. I mean, you know, if I wanted to get into this business, I mean, I had to, I had to, I had to claw and scrape and I had to get my foot in the door and I had to hold it open. And I knew that going into it. And so, uh, work ethic is nothing new to me. I mean, I think wherever you're at, you've got to work hard, work, work hard for what you want. And then, uh, and I'll even tell you when I got to, uh, when I got to South Carolina, it was two years before I, they even let me in. I mean, I don't know if you guys really remember that or know that Brian, but you know, I called Bill old about every three weeks. Bill Old tells me, he said, you were persistent as anybody I've ever met. Yeah. I called about every three weeks. Hey, I'm ready. I mean, if you got, I'll, I'll come up there and I'll shag a ball. I'll do whatever you need me to do. I mean, I, I didn't care. I just wanted to get my foot in the door somehow, some way. And I, I don't know. I, at the time, I was probably the most persistent manager there was in, in college. I don't know. I mean, I just kept calling him. I kept bugging him. And he's finally like, quit calling. I got your name. I got your number. <laughs> yeah. I'll get in touch with you if we've got something. And I'd say, hey, you don't have to pay me. I don't need – I just just let me be around it, you know. And uh, he finally called me one morning, and uh, he called me and said, hey, we've got some some summer camp stuff. Would you like to come work camp? And uh, he invited me to come up there and do that, and then that's how I kind of got my foot in the door. I mean, that first year, you know, we had two or three guys that were managers that were there kind of full-time, so I was kind of a part-time manager, uh, just trying to be around it as much as I could. But once I got a taste of it, I knew it's where I wanted to be. And, uh, you know, I was still trying to balance my, you know, I was working at Hibbett Sports there in Lexington as an assistant manager while I was going to school to help pay for my tuition. Um, But then that following year, you know, I think Hall graduated um, and there was a little bit more of a full-time spot open there with that program. And when when Bill gave it to me, I I quit working 
and I was all in. And uh, he can attest to this, and you might even remember this, Boz, but any time I wasn't in class, I was either in the basketball office or I was in the cave with you watching video, probably bugging you to death, asking you stuff and watching film. So uh, for me, again, that, that was how I kind of got in there and, uh, you know, just working through all that, but building relationships. And honestly, I only got the Armstrong Atlantic State job from Charleston Southern because I used to stay up all night at team camp and the, and, the, and, the, and the camps over the summer. We had those socials. You know, we had adult beverages all night. Well, I got a chance to really kind of get to meet and kind of get to know a lot of coaches. And one of those guys wound up going to Armstrong to be an assistant, and he remembered me when they had an opening. And he called me and said, hey, we've got a spot here. You need to come do this. And at the time, I was like, you know, I think I might get out of college coaching. And he's like, no, nah, no. Nah. He said, come down here, talk with Coach Burkhammer, and let's kind of see what we can go. And I went down there, and it was the best thing I ever did. And he's one of my best friends this day. We talk a lot. He's out of coaching, but um, he, he kind of got me back into it. But it's all about the relationships, the people that you meet. And, and the, the hard part about this business is because you're always on to the next thing, the next game, the next practice, uh, the next recruit it's hard to keep going back and try to, you know, keep cultivating that relationship with people 10 years ago. That's the hardest part. And that's been hard for me. You know, even like Blas, I probably haven't talked to you in five or six years. And, and it's not because I didn't like you. It's just, there's so much other stuff going on that you're, you know, you're, I'm calling a new coach and trying to form a relationship with him. Uh, and, and that's the hard part about this business is doing that. Uh, but the relationship building it for me is, is all about who, where I, how I've gotten here, who I am. Um, you know, with the recruits that, that you have to persuade to come play for you, you got to get to know those guys. Uh, you know, they're not going to play for you. If they, if they don't know, you don't care about them. Uh, you know, same thing with coaches. You know, and I'm not a – I'm not an extrovert. I'm more of an introvert type of person. Um, I have a small circle of close friends that I, I really, you know, talk with and, and open up with. But I've got a lot of acquaintances, you know, that I talk to. But through that, like, that's how I met Jason Taylor. I was at Charleston Southern. Uh, we played them as an opening game one year. Uh, their video guy was having trouble. I, you know, I, I was the video guy. I mean, I did everything when I was at Charleston. So I, I'll take care of you. you know, here's a DVD, hand it to them, mail it to them. And we got to talking about their program there. Um, and, and it was good. I mean, and we kind of kept up a little bit through some emails and the other system that was there. And then uh, once I was at Lander, you know, when Jeff left Armstrong and, and brought me to Lander, lo and behold, the first game of the season that we played, my first year at Lander was against Anderson and Chasen. And, you know, got a chance to meet those guys again. And, uh, and then he kind of, you know, hey, I got a job opening at the end of the year. And, and, you know, I put my name in, emailed it, and that's how I got this job. And then because I worked with Lander and with Steve Roberts, and I did, you know, I worked my tail off, and he knew who I was. And he got the opportunity. He called me and said, hey, I, I want a guy that, 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 that knows Lander, that can know the area, that can help me. And, and, and that's how I got that job. And then, honestly, like, I recruited a lot of Dorman players in the past. I've had a relationship with Thomas Ryan. So when I was looking for a job and I was in the area, I called Thomas. I said, hey, I mean, do you have anything? And he said, actually, I might have something. Just hang in there. So I hung in there, and, and, and that's how I got this job. And so relationships are the key to everything. I mean, and I think you got to be genuine with that. you got to be who you are. I think some people try to, you know, manipulate the relationship to get what they want out of it. But, I mean, you just got to be genuine about it. And that's, for me, that, that's work ethic and relationships is how I am here today. So. Can't stress that enough. That uh, you also – that was a terrific answer, and it might also be the record for the longest answer to a single question so far. Oh, God. Thank you. That I'm was all great, about Brian. It was, no, was it was great. a terrific answer. I did not want you to stop. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm serious. And you went through all that, and you didn't talk about Matt Cradell. 
Uh, no, because you know what? I, I emulate him every day. I, I'm just talking. That's what Mac would do. Just, <laughs> like, Mac, just get to the point of your story, please. <laughs> but I'm going to follow up with that question with this question. It's kind of related to it is, um, you know, for people listening down in South Carolina, I'm sure everybody knows Barkley Radabaugh. Sure. I mean, there's not a better person on the planet than Barkley Radabaugh. I knew him from my first year in South Carolina. Uh, Coach Burkhammer, who I don't know, but you talk glowingly about Coach Taylor. Give me a lesson or two you picked up from one of those coaches, from those mentors that you keep with you today. Well, the, the best thing about every coach that I've worked for is that they've been completely different. Um, they're unique in their own way. Um, and, and I think, you know, in any job that you have, I mean, you're either going to learn good things or you're going to learn some things that you don't want to do when you become your head coach. Like, you know, I learned a ton from Coach Odom. I mean, how detailed he was about everything. How, you know, his biggest thing was is I'll take a three-star recruit and, and, and make him, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, skill develop him to death where he becomes a great player. Um, you know, you go down with Barkley. At the time with Barkley at, at Charleston Southern, it was, it was his first year. We were trying to figure some things out, figuring out that niche. I mean, Winthrop was in that league at the time, and Greg Marshall was just running that thing. And that was such a hard league to get through. But Barkley was really good about, you know, you know, we're going, you know, hey, we're going to try this, and if it's not working, we're going to try this. So, you know, I think as a coach, sometimes you have to admit when things aren't going well, you know, hey, we might, we, I might know the two-three zone bump defense, you know, like the back of my hand, but if it's not working, you've got to be man enough to say, hey, it's not working. You got to be able to adjust. And I think we did that a lot at Charleston Southern with Barkley, um, you know, and then when I go down there with with Armstrong with Jeff, and Jeff was. I thought Coach Odom was detailed. Jeff Burkhammer was very detailed. I mean, to the to the to the minute detail of what he wanted. He knew how he wanted it, and then that's how he was going to get it every single time. Uh, you know, every every set play he ran, how we did pregame meal, how we traveled. I mean, it was the same over and over and over again. I mean, you know, he just gave me a sheet, and you just follow the sheet. That's all. He, he didn't have to. You know, there's no improvising on that. Like you don't improvise with him. Um, and but he was so. Gosh, he was, he was so smart, X and O coach-wise. I learned so much from him about executing things, you know, your practice plan, you know, down to the second, down to the minute, what we're doing, we're moving on to the next thing. Um, and, and, you know, he, he, you know, I learned a ton from Jeff. And then, you know, then I go to Jason at, at, at Anderson University, and Jason was so much more – they were almost opposite, but they were so good on both ends of that spectrum. It was, you know, we ran more of a motion offense with Jason. It was more about, you know, teaching your players how to read things and then giving them the freedom to go make those plays. Whereas, you know, with Coach Burkhammer, it was more set, set actions. You know, when I tell you to screen, I want you to screen. That's all you're going to do. You don't do anything else, you know, do that. And if your job is to come off a flare screen and hit a shot, that's your job. You know, with Jason, it was more about teaching our players how to, you know, how to read the action, how to make plays, um, you know, you know, we were a little more different. You know, Jeff was real – a lot of traps, zones or mans. We were trapping the ball off, the, off a dribble, off a pass, whereas Jason, it was more of we're not doing that, we're more of a bend but don't break type defense, be solid with what we do. Um, so, again, I, I learned so much from those guys that, you, you know, I have so much experience with so many different things, but you learn so much from those guys that it's – you know, I, I learned a lot from those guys. And they're all different and they're all unique, but they're all really great in their own way. And I think as a coach, you know, you, you try to learn as much as you can from every person you work from, you work for, and then you, you got to see what fits for you. And, um, 
you know, I'm still trying to figure that out at, at the ripe old age of 38 today. So <laughs> you, you've got a, a wealth of experience at 38 years old, um, <laughs> working, yeah, working at colleges. And now you're in that u- unique position to be working at a high school and it's a, a high level high school, Dorman high school for, for our listeners that aren't aware, just won their fourth straight state championship in South Carolina. Um, unbelievable that's run. Be- that's but better than Ridgeview. It is better than Ridgeview. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they, they've won four Ridgeview's won three, seven state championships between the two and four and five. A. It's fantastic. What's going on in South Carolina right now, but um, Absolutely. you bring a, 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 an interesting perspective to uh, your high school kids now that you work around. And, you know, obviously as a, as a college coach, you're looking for somebody that can play, you know, somebody can really Absolutely. get out there and go, but what are you able to bring to your, uh, your high school kids at Dorman? Those, those intangibles that you're able to say like, no, really, you know, stay off of this in social media, don't do that. Or, Hey, do this. This is what college coaches are looking for. What can you tell our listeners about really and truly what college coaches are really looking for? What are you able to bring to your kids at Dorman? Well, you know, the thing that most kids think is, is if I put together a great highlight package, then, then that's, that, that might bring the recruiter to the game to watch you. But what kids don't understand is, is that they are watching you when you are not playing. I mean, that's probably the biggest thing. Like, when, when, when you get pulled out, when they sub you, they're watching your reaction. Do you, do, I mean, are you cheering for your, your, your teammates while you're on the bench? Are you sulking? Are you upset because the coach pulled you out? I mean, you have no reason why the coach pulled you out. He's going to tell you when you get over there, hey, I'm just giving you a quick two-minute breather. You know, hey, we might have a, a timeout coming. I want to get you an extended 30, 45-second break. And when guys come off and they're just, you know, why am I coming out? Why am I – like, coaches watch all of that stuff. They want great teammates. They know you can play. They're there. They know you can play. They've seen your highlight film. What else do you bring to the table? Are you a great teammate? Are you, uh, you know, how are you doing academically? You know, are, you know, if you're at the game and you're playing and the gym's quiet and all they hear is your mom or dad on the other side of the gym telling you what you should do and you're not listening to the coach, that's a red flag for any coach in America because they know they're going to have to deal with that when you come play for them. And that, that's what they look for. I mean, you know, you know, I worked for a coach when I was at Landers. Steve Roberts was, was one of the, the best guys. He, he was a dang private investigator. When we, when we were recruiting players, I mean, he didn't call the head coach. Like, he would, you know, hey, because I know you're going to tell me you like the kid. Take the kid. He's good enough. Take the kid. He'd call the guidance counselor. He would call the assistant principal. I mean, it was like if you played a junior college and, and he would, we'd call the other opponents that played against you. What do you know about this kid? And they'll t- the other coaches will tell you. And kids have no clue about that. They, I mean, they think that, you know, hey, my head coach tells me that, that told that, high, that, that college coach that I'm good enough. I mean, that college coach, if he's worth his salt, he's calling a lot more people. It's, it's probably about five or six different people that you don't even know they're calling, trying to find out something. And I tell kids all the time, they're finding a reason not to sign you. And I think that's probably another thing for kids to understand is like, you know, I know you can play. I, 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 can, I see your tools. You're athletic. You have a great jumper. You got a good IQ. But why should I not sign you? I think that's probably the biggest thing that a lot of coaches go out looking for is, is they're trying to find a reason. Are, why, why should we not sign you? Why is somebody else not signing you? And I think that's what kids need to understand is, I mean, their social media, um, you know, how you act in a game. I mean, what's going on? I mean, it's, you know, they're trying to find a reason not to sign you. And that's why I tell my kids, I mean, you know, hey, like, you know, don't, don't act up. I mean, hey, you know, coach pulls you out. Just get off the bench and listen to us. Listen to what we're trying to tell you. Be great teammates. Be selfless. And, you know, every team that I've won a championship with, no matter if that was Anderson, Lander, 
um, you know, South Carolina, we had great chemistry and we were selfless and we cared about each other. And it's, it's no different when I was at Dorman this past year. I mean, our kids had great chemistry, selfless. Um, you know, you got, you got to cheer, you cheer other, your, your teammates success. And you've really got to, you know, you got to buy into that. And if you don't, you're not going to win. Ryan, you said a bunch of great things there. One, I always, I always tell recruitable kids, kids that are getting recruited in any sport or any level that I know, I, I always tell them, and you said it, they know you can play. They, right. They've got that. They wouldn't be recruiting you if you couldn't play. So I'm they not in the know, gym if you can't play. Right. They, they know that already. Um, you talk about body language, and I won't say the player's name, but when we were at South Carolina, uh, Coach Odom came to me one day and he said, hey, hey, Blas, I need you the next couple practices. Whenever we scrimmage, just film this one player. Because I keep telling him about his body language, but he doesn't believe me. He thinks I'm picking on him. He goes, and I want to show him his body language when we're scrimmaging, when we're playing. And I did it for like three practices in a row and gave it to the coach, and he met with that player. And I don't know the full result of it. I wasn't in the meeting, but it was something that he talked about and was like this – this player was an excellent player. This player is a great person. We all know this player very well. And, you know, but his body language was, was bad. And coach yeah. really wanted to talk to him about that, about how that would help improve our team if his body language improved. Well, and again, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't necessarily being negative toward his teammates or, you know, but it was just his general body language. No, and I agree. I, I had a, I had a, I've had a couple of players like that. I had one at Lander who was a third team, all, you know, third team all conference player. I mean, he's so down on himself. But it's like, if you're the best player, you can't do that. Like everybody feeds off of your body language. If your head's down, if you're complaining, like the other guys, they react off of that. And, and you know, I, I even take it one step further. Even as a coach, like when I stepped in at Lander as the interim head coach. You know, I would, you know, when I worked for Jason Taylor Anderson, it was a point of we're not, we're not, I'm not getting into the officials. When I start yelling at the officials and worrying about their calls, the players feed off of that. And it's like, just on to the next play, do the next right thing. Like, Hey, he, it was a bad call. Fine. Okay. Well, there's still 10 minutes to go in the game. All right. So like move on. So even as a coach, I, I I'm very, you know, I try not to get involved with things that I know the other guys can feed off of. And it's the same thing. If you're the best player and you're always in your feelings on the bench, it's, uh, I mean, it's, I mean, it's distracting to your other players. It's, it's so true. What you said, I finally figured it out. My last year of JV coaching was just don't say anything to the referees. Like why, you know, if it, it's no disrespect to them, but like if, if they were better at their craft, they'd be working in college, mistakes. you know? Yeah. They're going to make mistakes. So coach, coach my team and let's, let's focus on what we can do to improve and, and help our kids get better. You know, and it's, it's, right. it's, it's not, it's not always easy to do, but uh, right. <laughs> anyway, so Ryan, as you know, the, the name of the podcast is the greatest games podcast. So we'd love to hear about the greatest game or greatest games. If you have a couple uh, that you've right. ever been a part of any kind of background information you can tell us and, why they're so sure. special to you. You know, the one that I chose, uh, I've won a lot of championships. I've had been a lot of special games. Um, I actually chose my first win as a college basketball coach. I don't know if that was selfish or not. I don't know. I love it. I just thought, you know, you know, a new perspective, I guess, from something. I mean, just, uh, you know, I took over, and my first game as the interim head coach at Lander was at number five-ranked USC Aiken. And, uh we uh, I took over on a Tuesday night or basically a Wednesday morning, 
Um, the first thing I did as a new head coach was I put a new offense. <laughs> yeah, I love it. We were we weren't playing very well. We were like six and uh, I think six and eleven, and uh, we we had very talented players. Okay, they just our chemistry wasn't great. We, we, a lot of things going on. We were talented that we should have had more wins, um, but some things weren't working with you know our offense, and I, I, we'd already kind of made an idea to change it. So that was one of the first things I did. We started working on new offense, new sets, uh, more of a four out. We were four out one in. We went more to like a three two look. Um, we changed some things. So uh, we went to Aiken, and um, you know, we had a lead at half. We played really well the first half. I think we were up like seven or eight. We lost a tight game at the end. Um, that was my first time as a head coach. I mean, it was, it, you know, a lot of, lot of stuff going on as a coach, as you know, your first time. And then, uh, you know, we had the weekend to prepare. So it was Wednesday night. Uh, we were playing North Georgia. They were at our place at Lander. And, uh, you know, the best thing about it was is that it was like spirit, spirit week at Lander. So we had a packed house. We had a lot of kids there, a lot of fans. It was really loud. And, um, you know, we didn't play very particularly well. I thought we would play a little bit better than we, you know, we did at Aiken. I thought we could finish the game. We didn't come out and play very well. And, um, you know, some guys were trying to make some shots, trying to force the action a little bit. And, uh, you know, we were down, I think, seven or eight at half. And I just kind of went in there. I just told our guys, I said, you know, it's, it's you know, just, you know, we just got to get better at what we're doing. You know, that, that's it. Like, we've taken good shots. Uh, we, our defense has got to get a little bit better. Obviously, we made some adjustments on what we're doing on ball screens. But, I mean, for the most part, it was just just do what we do, but do it better. Okay, play at a higher level, um, be better, be you know, just continue to be selfless with the ball and, and move it. And I thought the second half we played really well, and um, you know, to the point to where they actually changed their defense to a zone, which they had not ran in like ten games. They went to a zone, and it kind of threw us off for about two or three minutes until we can kind of you know get in a rhythm. So we ran some stuff. Uh, we got down late, like five or six, and then we made some, we made some really good plays at the end there. Uh, one of my sophomores came off the bench, if I'm not mistaken. He hit a three towards the end of the clock, and it tied it, tied it up, and we went to overtime. And, uh, you know, I love overtime games. I, I had a ton of them when I was at Anderson and, and so much even at Lander uh, my first couple years there. But just tell our guys, hey, we got five more minutes. You know, we're fine. You know, just, just continue to, to just keep doing the right things. Uh, you know, we, we kind of found a rhythm against that zone. And then we went to overtime, and I think it was – I wrote it down here. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I was like 99-99, something like that, going into overtime. And so then, uh, you know, they stayed in that zone, and we found, we found a rhythm against it. Went back and forth, uh, running some plays, some ball screen actions against it, got some guys some open shots. Uh, we wound up pulling it out at the end, 107-104. Um, again, it was a back-and-forth game, one or two possessions the whole way through. Um, and just really proud of our kids for, for hanging in there. Um, you know, called a lot of timeouts, trying to run a lot of set things against that zone, trying to get specific actions against it. And I thought our guys, to their, their credit, they, they executed everything I told them to do. Uh, they did it to the best of their ability, and we were able to really pull that thing out and, and get a, a stop or two towards the end to, to hold it off. But, I mean, it was a lot, man. As my first time as a head coach, especially at that level, I mean, the game is so fast. Like, you know, you think 20 minutes and it, it goes by in like 10 seconds, it feels like, because there's so many possessions. And, um, but just really just, you know, that was my first one as a college basketball coach. And, uh, you know, I think about it a lot, I mean, because there was so much stuff going on there. Uh, and then I was rewarded by going to Augusta that, that weekend at the number 25 team in the nation. And we got, we got, beat, beat, we got beat pretty good there. We didn't, we didn't show up. And then uh, the next, uh, next game was the next Wednesday night. We played uh, UNC Pembroke. It was 20, 23 in the nation and was able to pull that win out at home uh, against uh, number 23 ranked Pembroke. 
Uh, we played really, really well. Again, had a, had a crazy, crazy, uh, crazy packed house there and, and guys were really involved with it. And we, we had to make some, we had to make some plays, honestly, back and forth, uh, you know, finding some wrinkles off some set plays to, to get some guys some looks and our, our guys defended their tail off. We won that game. So, I mean, those are two games. My first one, and then obviously the second win that I got was a top 25 ranked win. So it was, it was pretty good. I felt really good about it. Did it feel, I'm sure it felt good, but describe how good it felt getting a win so early on when you took over as interim coach. Like you didn't lose 10 in a row and then finally get a win. It felt, it's almost like, uh, hey, you're doing the right thing. Like the kids are listening to you. Um, they're not folding because they could have easily folded. I mean, with, with you know, my, my head coach had just resigned. Um, they knew that, you know, you know, the search was starting. And, and I'll be quite honest with you guys, and I haven't told many people this, but, like, I mean, I'm sitting over there against North Georgia, and we're waiting to play, and the girls' game's going on. And one of the assistant coaches is over there talking to my AD and president, trying to, trying to get his name involved in the job. Same thing at Pembroke. So, I mean, I'm sitting on the other side of the gym, and those guys are over there trying to get the job that I have right now. Same thing at Pembroke. You know, the, you know, the president and the AD are on the other side of the gym. Well, their head coach, they're, they're over there trying to, you know, they're over there talking to those guys and, and, and trying to get in for the job. And I'm sitting over there like, you know, I got nothing else to do. I mean, we got, we got to play. And that, that was for me a very hard learning experience. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, I felt like I was always ready to be a head coach. I always, you know, I've worked so hard to, to put myself in that position. But then once you're given that title, I don't think I ever felt more alone in my life. <laughs> I mean, mm, you're yeah. so isolated. I mean, it, it, it was hard. I mean, but I was, you know, I was so proud of our kids and myself for, for getting through that. They always say that's the hardest 18 inches to move over from the assistant coach seat to the head coach seat. I agree. I mean, I, I mean, I, I knew that. I mean, I could tell you that I knew that. But then once you really experience it, then it's like, you know, it's hard. It, it really I, I, is. Isn't it? I went through it for the first time this year. I took over as a varsity coach uh, yeah. for the season at, at uh, Saddlebrook High School. <clears throat> I'd been the freshman coach there. And uh, one or two – maybe two games into the year, I turned to my assistants at one point and – I said to them, I said, guys, I hear your suggestions. Everyone, even though I don't acknowledge them, I said, I feel bad sometimes. I hear everything you're saying. I do. I said, but I've got 400 things going on in my head. And they respected that. I, I don't – it was more I felt bad internally, you know. Yeah. But I was like, no, I, I hear everything you're saying, but I, I'm worried about every single thing. I'll tell you, the number one thing that, that always kept coming to my mind, it wasn't the – the play tendencies, it wasn't what the other team was running, what we were going to run, substitutions and trying to get guys in and that feel for, all right, you know, about two or three minutes we're going to try to bring some of these guys in and kind of just see where they're at. You know, in, in high school, I mean, let's be honest, I mean, you might have six or seven, and that's probably about as deep as your bench is going to go. I mean, when you, you know, the I level bet, that I was at. In I, I had two this year. Okay, so we, we, I mean, we had a deep, we, we were deep at Dorman, okay, I'll, I'll tell you that. But when I was at Lander, you know, we're all deep. All those guys were top players. And, you know, one night, you know, like I said, against North Georgia, I had a sophomore who came in and he had like 17 points off the bench. And I should have played him more, and I didn't. And the next time we played, he, he didn't play very well. So, I mean, you're always trying to figure out who's playing well, keeping that in your mind. And then trying to keep your same rotations. Like we were real big with our bigs, two or three minutes, get them out, get a fresh guy in. And, and you're trying to keep that up. And I finally just told my assistant, I said, man, you really got to help me with substitutions. I was like, I'm, I'm thinking of the next play, making sure we're in the right defense. Like you've really got to help me with substitutions. And for me, that was probably the, 
that was the biggest challenge was because nobody's happy. I mean, they're not happy unless they're playing 40 minutes. And I get that, you know, but that's, this is not the, that's not real world. We're playing like, you know, the best guys, whoever's playing, well, we're going to go with. And, uh, and again, I, you know, that's another detail going back to that North Georgia game. I had to make a decision. I pulled my starting point guard. He had, he had five turnovers. He wasn't playing very well. The backup point guard, that sophomore was playing really well. And I had to make a decision. And, and about two minutes to go in that overtime, I, I pulled my point guard and I put him in and that won us the game. So, I mean, sometimes you got to go with that gut feeling, but just trying to juggle all that is a lot. Describe, I'm just, I'm, I'm putting myself in your shoes. You get the call. Hey, coach has resigned. Hey, you're taking over. What, yeah. what's the mixture of feelings? And also how much sleep did you get the night before your first game? Not a lot, not a lot that week. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it, it goes from, uh, this is just me. I mean, again, it's, I can only speak for myself, but like when I got that phone call, I felt like I let that head coach down um, as an assistant. Like, you know, he, he's resigning, things aren't going well. I guess I ultimately look at it, it's something that I did. I wasn't working hard enough. I didn't come up with some of the right suggestions. Um, mm-hmm. I put a lot of that on me. Probably shouldn't have. I mean, but that's just me. Um, and then, uh, and then from there it was, okay, well, I got the number five team in the country coming up. What are we going to do? Um, and what am I going to tell these guys? How am I going to get these guys to buy into what I'm trying to, what we're trying to do? And again, you know, I, I wrote a lot of things down, but when I got in there with our players, I was like, look, coach is gone. I said, you know, we can only control what we can control. And that's every, how we approach every drill, how we approach every practice, how we approach every game. We can still get back. And like I said, we were six and 11. We were towards the, maybe the bottom third of the league. And we, and we had just won. Um, it was MLK day on a Monday. We had just won that game against Clayton state. And we kind of had a buy on that Wednesday before we played on Saturday. So that gave us a whole week to really, you know, to let all this go ha- happen and then just kind of, you know, get kind of get locked back into to, to the routine. And, you know, again, I went six and five in the regular season um, as, as the interim head coach, the five losses were, Aiken twice, top top five in the country. I think at Augusta, uh, Augusta twice, who was top 25 in the country. And then at Francis Marion, who was top 25 in the country at the time. All three of those, three teams gave me my six losses, and they all made the NCAA tournament. So um, we just could not figure out a way to beat beat one of those teams. So, um, but there's, there's a lot. I didn't get a lot of sleep. I mean, just trying to figure out a way, put my kids in the best situation to succeed. So. It was a lot. And then on top of that, trying to win a job, <laughs> proof that you can do the job. And then probably, you know, the very last resort is trying to find a new job. <laughs> right. There's a lot of balancing going on there. Oh, there's a lot of bits. I felt like I was a juggling clown. That, that was a great, I... great question by Brian, because college, I mean, you don't really see it in high school. College is so unique where that happens, where a coach resigns or a coach gets let go in the middle of a season and they're promoting someone from that staff, right? So there's this feeling of uh, a little bit of like we all love Coach. What was Coach Taylor? Right, it was Coach Roberts. It was oh, Coach Steve Roberts. Roberts. I'm sorry, Steve Roberts. Right. We all love Coach Roberts. Okay, but he's not here anymore, and we're doing. We right. may do things a little differently. It doesn't mean we don't love Coach Roberts any less. Right. All of us, the coaches, right. the players, but we've got to do it. Like I'm in charge now, and this is how we're going to do it. So that's such a unique. Uh, thing in, in college basketball one of the things that I told my kids and, and here's a nugget it was just kind of like you know coach is gone but I said but let's let's prove to him that he was right about each and every one of us 
he, he, he was, he single-handedly brought all of us here. So, you know, you know, I, I'm trying to prove that I'm the coach that he thought I could be. You be the player that he believed that you could be. And, and, and let's, you know, let's just take care of that. And that was, that was kind of one of our, our ways of kind of going about that. So. Ryan, you, you are a, a special guy. And that answer to my, to my question just illuminates that, that, that your, your first response was that you let him down. Like what, what a selfless guy that you, that you, that you are. And that comes through. That's, that's always come through and in my interactions with you. And I know it comes through to your, now your, your dormant guys that you get to assist with there and just, uh, you're 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 a gift to the game, gift to gift to South Carolina basketball, and just uh, can't thank you enough for for coming on and sharing yeah. everything that you've shared. It's been really, Thanks really, really fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, and again, we've mentioned Dorman Hoops, uh, Dorman Hoops on Twitter. It's a, it's a great follow. Y'all do a great job with social media up there. Is there anything else that you'd like to promote? Um, anything that you've no, got going I mean, on? obviously the at Dorman Hoops. I mean, again. Assistant coach Zach Rich and, and John Stair, those guys really do a lot of that social media. I've learned a ton from those guys about social media and promoting your program. I mean, uh, those guys work extremely hard to do that, and I'm just learning from those guys. Um, but we do – they do a ton of stuff on there. So, obviously, you know, follow that for sure because there's a lot of good stuff on there about, about our, our program, but, you know, our state in general. I mean, I think uh, that's one of the big things about Coach Ryan. He was uh, – I think he was Ball is Life National Coach of the Year. I think that, that he, he was. I just yeah. I just looked it up on Twitter. Yes, he was absolutely. And you know, I haven't I haven't even mentioned his name on this podcast, and I know we don't have enough time. But I mean, he is he's he's extremely sharp, and um, he is very very good basketball coach. So I'm I'm, I'm learning a lot from him as as well because he's extremely good. So. Yeah, yeah, we're we're hoping to have him on the podcast here sometime soon. Glad to oh, glad to get one of his one. assistants. Yeah, first, yeah, so we can we can he, uh, we can dig him on that. He's got a voice for radio. I will tell you that he's really good. He does the football games here, and I called him. I said, "Man, you are really good on the radio." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a first class program up there. But but again, Ryan, thanks so much for coming on. And so for it. yeah, for my co-host Chris De Blasio, I am Brian Rosefield, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Greatest Games.